Hello everybody and welcome to the Based on Actual Events podcast, a podcast where we talk all about film, movies, and cinema. This is actually Ben and I love movies. Welcome back everybody to the second episode of Based on Actual Events. This is the um, February episode. Um, last month, released on January 8th, um, was when the last episode was released. Now this is February 16th as recording this and hopefully we can get this out today, maybe tomorrow. You know, just talk, just release it while things are still fresh. I wanted to record this podcast after the Oscars so I could talk about the results and the winners of the Oscars. Um, because if I did it before, then I would have to wait till next month and the, the Oscars would have been too far gone by then. And I think no one would, would really, not that no one would care, but it wouldn't be as talked about or hot topic as talking about it right now. So that's what I want to do now, and plus I'm really busy, school's been going bananas lately with just the work and project-based and everything, so I'm lucky to find some time to actually sit down and record this. Um, Speaking of which, well, because school is so busy, I haven't really been able to work on the website too much, and the website is something that I really want to do and I really want to work on, but it's something that takes a lot of time to just sit down and write like pages of just reviews and watch movies and then review them and think of talking points and encounter arguments and arguments for movies and such like that and originally what I wanted to do was um, do reviews on movies that um, had been recently released so I just watched Sonic the Hedgehog for example so when I would have tried to aim to get a review for Sonic the Hedgehog out within a few days after watching it. I think that I'm going to scrap that idea and, in fact, um, review movies more in a retroactive, um, retrospective uh, point of view and review older movies, so like maybe 70s kung fu movies like Bruce Lee, that's what I'm kind of watching right now. I'm watching the Bruce Lee movies go back and watch some Akira Kurosawa movies, some of Sergio Leone, some old of the the old USSR um, films, just different genres of films, different eras, you know, German Expressionism, 80s horror, just, just go around with it, you know, 2000s, 2010s, so it just, I don't feel that as much pressure to get the review out right away, because you'd want to get the review out as soon as you watch the movies in theaters because it's going to be a talk about movie because you know Sonic's in theaters right now everyone's talking about it you'd want to get that review out while it's still in there not a few months later so I feel like if a, a retrospective look at stuff is more interesting than just whatever's released in theaters and I think that's what I want to focus on so that's what I'm going to try to aim for and I think I'm also going to do some TV shows and stuff but the TV shows are not going to be as uh, prevalent as the movies as my main focus will be um, film I don't watch as much TV series in entirety but I I do like to have always have a TV series that I'm, I'm watching so that's basically my life right now. I'm just really busy and working a lot and trying my best to find time to watch movies and talk about movies as much as I possibly can. So, um, the Oscars obviously happened on on February 8th, so a week today um, as we're recording this. And because of the Oscars, I said in the last episode that I wanted to watch a lot of the Oscar um, nominees and I was able to do that and actually I predicted um, the nominations for some of the major categories uh, for Oscar nominees because at that time I hadn't watched any of like the shorts or whatever I couldn't really I couldn't really guess sound mixing and everything and visual effects I'm not that's not I don't know as much about that but I guess some of the um, the main nominations in the last episode and I got I would say a good majority of them right I nailed the best directing category um, and most of the other ones I got pretty dang close so I want to give a pat on the back for me I'd like to say so I did get to watch a lot of the movies 
um, for Oscars. I want to watch all of the the all of the nominations for Best Picture. So I saw every single Best Picture nomination. Um, I saw all of the ones for actor in a leading role, um, actress in a leading role. I wasn't able to see Judy or Harriet. I got to see all the movies for Best Actor, um, all the movies for Best Supporting actress except for um kathy bates and richard jewell i really wanted to see richard jewell because it was a clint eastwood movie um but it just didn't come around to anywhere near where i was so that kind of sucked animated feature was something that i want i had access to all of them via streaming services because two of them were on netflix i think one of them was on Crave and one of them was on prime but i only got to see toy story 4 I didn't get to see Missing Link, Klaus, I Lost My Buddy, Buddy, I Lost My Body, and How to Train Your Dragon. Um, I saw all the cinematographies, all costume design, all directing. I saw all documentary feature except for The Cave. Um, I didn't see any of the documentary shorts. saw all the film editing ones. I saw all the international feature films except for Corpus Christi. Didn't get to see Judy or Maleficent for makeup and hairstyling. I know I'm just really reading through all of these and telling you what I saw and I saw, but I saw and didn't see. But I want to let you know. Um, I saw all of the best music original score. Um, the original song I only saw Toy Story out of the ones that were nominated. And I didn't really even listen to this any of the songs, so sorry. I saw all production design ones. I saw Hair Love for short film. I saw all of the short film live action except for Saria. I uh, saw all of the sound editing, all the sound mixing. I saw all the visual effects except for Lion King. I saw all the written adapted screenplay. I saw all the writing original screenplay. Because a lot of these movies are just the same movies. You've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a lot, Parasite, 1917, um, and everything like that. So now that you know what I've seen and I haven't seen, let's jump into what I thought about the Oscars and what I think should have happened, what I agree with, and things like that. So in my last episode, I talked about the Golden Globes a lot because the Golden Globes had just happened after I recorded that uh, episode. And now, hey, what again, we're talking about another award show. And I said I was more excited for the Oscars than I am Golden Globes, which is totally true. I feel like I can talk about the Oscars a little bit more easier. I've seen a lot of the movies now and, or, I've, yeah, I've seen a lot of the movies that were nominated, so it's kind of easier to talk about and what I think should have won or what I agree with what I don't agree with um and things like that so I watched the Oscars but I only was able to watch sort of two hours of the Oscars I missed the first hour because I was you know working on a project at school I came I tried to come as quickly as I could I missed the first little bit but I didn't miss like the major nominations but I think the biggest thing I missed was maybe like Brad Pitt's speech, Keanu Reeves coming out with Diane Keaton, so things like that. But I mean, you mainly just watch. I want to see who wins. I don't really. I'm not really too much of a fan of like the big speeches and stuff. The Walking Phoenix had a phenomenal um, winning speech. So yeah, let's just dive into it. I guess we can start. Let's start from the bottom to the top. I'm on the Oscars website to see what ones. So, writing best original screenplay, Parasite won. I think, out of all of them, I think Parasite was definitely um, one of my number ones. Though I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, in my opinion, should have taken it. Um, I am a big, I am a little biased because I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I also really love Parasite too. I just actually recently watched it again a second time last night. And I forgot how phenomenal that movie is, but watching Parasite for a second time, I knew what was happening, so I kind of lost sort of like the 
oh, what's going to happen? Because I, I, I knew what's happening, so the second time it wasn't as, I guess, impactful for me. But the first time was, like, absolutely riveting. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I could watch... I watched six times in theaters, and I watched it again. And every time I watch it, I enjoy it. Because I enjoy the world, and I enjoy the characters and the story. Um, so yeah, I might have put original screenplay for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just because the characters are so fleshed out and they're so written. But... Parasite is absolutely phenomenal with a lot of moving pieces and moving characters and a lot of um, symbolism for real-world um, problems. So I definitely see why I took it, and I definitely agree with Parasite winning, though I would have been okay with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood winning as well. Knives Out was really good. Par Marriage Story 1917 really good. I think the weakest story out of all of these movies is actually 1917. Though a technical masterpiece with the everything filmed in one shot, the story isn't really riveting. It's Saving Private Ryan. It's a journey. It's you get from one place to the next place, and that's basically it. You say once I don't want to go into a whole Once Upon a Time in Hollywood story thing again like I did last time, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was a day in the life. Parasite was phenomenal. Marriage Story was you know a telling drama of a couple going through divorce and then knives out a murder mystery all of them were fantastic the 1917 17 i think at the weakest parasite definitely um deserved the win there writing best adapted screenplay jojo rabbit i love jojo rabbit and, and taikia wakiti definitely deserves to win um the oscar for this though i also thought that um little women um was very phenomenal too because it was written for screen by greta gerwidge um and it was written for screen because it's an old novel little women is definitely not a new story it's been around for a while there's other movies about it but the thing was when i went to go see little women i was a little hesitant and I felt like I was going to be bored throughout the movie because I'm not a huge fan of the Victorian era, era movies because they all talk very you know fancy the dialect is is very proper and you can sometimes feel like bored or drawn out or like you're watching a lecture or something because it's just it doesn't seem as interesting it doesn't seem natural to you because um because you don't live that way anymore that's how they talked back in that in that era in that civil war era and it's a lot of like you know lords and ladies a lot of proper a lot of that was just the time period back then but that can kind of be boring on screen forget a girl which was amazing because she she adapted the book to the screen in a way that I watched the movie and it felt modern those characters felt like I could connect to them it felt like it could have been in today but it was in Victoria Victorian era I think Victorian era don't quote me on that um I keep saying Victorian era but it's like the Civil War era if that is the Victorian era I'm not I love history but I'm not quite sure when which era is but whatever Whenever the Civil War was, whatever era that was, it could kind of get a little boring. But it was phenomenal, and, and Greta Gerwig wrote it great. I felt connected to the characters. It felt like um, the amazing dialogue of Lady Bird in that era, too. Um, so I definitely think that that was um, a great um, written, adapted screenplay by Greta. But Jojo Rabbit is also... A phenomenal movie and it's one of probably my favorite movies of 2019 just because of the quirky humor of it and Takito Wakiti is absolutely phenomenal okay visual effects 1917 one yeah I mean I've definitely not Star Wars for sure I mean it was Star Wars was great and there's a lot of great visual effects but it didn't blow me out of the water the Lion King was good i mean everything is visual effects in that movie i don't i'm not really like a huge fan of the lion king remake just because it's like oh it's the live action lion king but no it's completely animated just they look real 
I don't understand why they had to remake it. So, I mean, maybe there's some bad, bad blood against the Lion King. But a lot of hard people put a lot of hard work into that uh, um, movie. And 1917 won. So, here's my thing, and I'll, I'll say my piece and then I'll leave for this category. I watched an interview with, this, um, I believe it was the DOP of um, 1917, who had also done work on Jarhead. And he said that the greatest compliment he ever got was after they saw Jarhead, they asked how long they filmed in Kuwait for, because the movie takes place in the Gulf War, because they're walking along the, um, the, oil, the burning oil fields that happened during the Gulf War. And Jake Gyllenhaal's covered in, you know, oil and grease, and there's these large fires happening. And he said that, that was the greatest compliment because they never filmed in Kuwait, and those oil fires were just lights that they had um, with visual effects over them. So for 1917, they had a lot of visual effects for burning bridges, burning buildings, um, backgrounds, and everything like that. Lion King was entirely animated, and obviously Avengers Endgame had a lot of visual effects. Now, 1970, so here's my thing against 1917, was that it's been done before. They did it in Jarhead. In Lion King and in, in Endgame, they've done it before. Lion King, it was everything was done, and it looked pretty good. I'm going to say that. It looked pretty good for that movie. So that's my one thing that maybe Lion King should have won. And not 1917, but, but, I'm going to bring it back to 1917 for a minute. It's not about how many visual effects you have, it's about how you use it. If you ask me what's an amazing visual effects movie, I would say The Social Network. Because The Social Network has more visual effects shots than the 2014 Godzilla movie. Because David Fincher uses CGI and uses VFX in very subtle ways to enhance the movie. And I think 1917 used VFX where I, when I watched that movie, I was like, why is it up for a visual effects award? And then when I look back at it, it's like, oh, because there's a lot of visual effects in the movie that I didn't see. When I watch Endgame and I watch Lion King, I know that's visual effects. I'm not, I'm not at that point where I'm fooled by Thanos it looks amazing, but I'm not fooled by it where I'm like, that could be real. In 1917, I thought that burning building was real. So, I think maybe 1917 kind of deserves it. So I'll say my piece and I'll leave. I think 1917 kind of deserves it. Irishman also with the de-aging technology. I think that was also a phenomenal achievement. But I don't think we're at that... I still don't think we're at that point yet where it looks supernaturally right now it looks amazing in irishman but it's not we're not at that point yet um so we'll keep going sound mixing 1971 i can't really talk about sound mixing i'm not a sound person i can't talk about sound editing either sure ford versus ferrari i don't know short film live action here we go so i actually watched all of these they're all great um brotherhood was okay it, it felt like it was trying to be really really powerful and strong in which it is but like i was like eh it's okay nefta nefta football club it was funny um it was pretty it was was really funny when i think back to it i thought the little kid was a little annoying though but that's fine um but i don't know it just it didn't have something there but the neighbor's window one and the neighbor's window was really fantastic i recommend you go watch it most of these films you can watch online for free they're on um, the filmmakers vimeo uh, or youtube so that's where i would check them out so the neighbor's window was probably my second choice for winning my number one choice was a sister it's from france it's a french film and it is absolutely amazing when i first watched it it was the same feeling i got when i watched parasite and when I watched Uncut Gems for the first time, I was on the edge of my seat. It is, it is fantastic. It is amazing. Please go watch it. I really wish that one won. It really deserved um, 
it I thought the filming was fantastic I thought the story was amazing I thought the pacing was awesome it's on YouTube check it out I think that one I think that one should have won for that category the neighbor's window was a close second it was amazing it was my next choice out of the other two that I watched I didn't see Saria so I can't talk about it but neighbor's window was definitely a second choice short film animated the only one I watched was Hair Love, and I won, so, and it won, so I liked Hair Love. It was good. It's on YouTube. It's on the Sony YouTube. It's also on the Sony Instagram, so check it out. I tried to watch the other ones. I couldn't really find it, find them, but yeah, sure, go Hair Love. It was good. It was really good. Production design, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I 100% agree, 100%. I think the close second was Jojo Rabbit with all the, um, you know, making 1940s Germany. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood made 1969 Hollywood and made it look good and real. And the amazing thing about the movie is there's like no CGI and no visual effects. It's like when you're in there, you are in Hollywood in 1969. And I thought that was the thing that's amazing. It looks so real. It feels so real. And that's why I love Tarantino just because authenticity is just there his love for movies is there um he's such an inspiration to me um jojo rabbit was definitely a close second i think the other ones were fine but i think once upon a time in hollywood really pulled it out so i'm really happy it won production design i'm really glad it won an oscar um can't really talk about best original song um music score so I haven't really listened to many of the music scores. Um, obviously, they're up against the giant of John Williams for Star Wars. But, oh, I'm going to butcher this name. Hildur Gorondorf. The composer for Joker. She won. Um, she also won the Golden Globe. And rightly so. It's a fantastic soundtrack. I just listen to this song of him dancing in the background. Makeup and hairstyling. Bombshell one. I don't really know about that one, man. Um, <laughs> um, Bombshell wasn't very like. It didn't. It didn't like. It wasn't. I don't. I find that the makeup and hairstyling ones aren't the ones that like. They don't like. They're not like pow. Like I mean, it's again maybe it's like the not how much makeup and hair you have, but how. It works, and, and for Bombshell, it works very well, but it wasn't anything that I saw differently in other movies. Um, I feel like Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, definitely the makeup on Angelina Jolie and everything like that, and even Joker. Like I said, it's not about how much makeup you have, how it's worked subtly. The makeup for Joker, the design of his face and, and hair and costume and everything like that, was so eerie and 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 hard to look at and just colorful but dark um i thought that they did a really good job of him and seem i didn't see maleficent but just from some of the behind the scenes it looked really good so i don't know maybe i think joker and maleficent maybe should have won instead of bombshell i was rooting for joker personally international feature film absolutely no contest parasite won that's what I said last uh, episode, that it would definitely win. I said best foreign film. They've changed the category to best international feature film. Good on Oscars. That's how it should be. I think that we need to stop labeling other movies as foreign because it detracts from it. I feel like there's this weird negativity when you say, oh, it's a foreign film. It's just a film and they should be watched everywhere i think that it's it's it sucks that a lot of these movies um are only showing in theaters at like limited times or in special theaters that do stuff like this so i was lucky enough to see most of these movies but i think that they need to um start having more wider releases especially in north america because they need to i feel like i'd love to see them more in the mainstream so yeah, Parasite 1. I think my second one was Les Miserables. When I watched that movie, it was a movie where I was like, eh, it's okay. And then thinking back to it, I'm like, wow, that movie was actually fantastic. It was amazing. I definitely want to see it again. Honeyland, I wasn't a huge fan of. 
it it just it didn't really capture me it seems slow it was a documentary but it was a documentary that was very um fly on the wall not interview style and i felt like it just didn't tell it didn't tell me anything that wasn't super interesting and i don't know and a lot of the stuff that they filmed at least just from my standpoint from just recently doing it of filming a short documentary was like maybe i don't know how it works with feature films or stuff i was like how do they capture that that seems kind of like very it seems they got very lucky to get that and that high definition and that framing and whatever so i don't know and also like i don't know how they there's a lot of stuff that i was just kind of like eh pain and glory was really good but again it, it seemed a little slow but i liked it Moving on, film editing, Ford Ferrari, okay, <laughs> I don't know what else to say for this, didn't watch documentary shorts, documentary feature, here we go, here's, here's, here's my rant, here's, this is actually Ben's rant, okay, this is actually a rant, okay, <sighs> I'm preparing myself, American Factory shouldn't have won. American Factory should not have won. Forsama should have won. I will so would have been okay if the Edge of Democracy won. Honeyland also did not deserve to win. It didn't win, so we'll leave that be. I did not get to see the cave, but out of the four I did see, Forsama was the clear winner. American Factory did not tell me much and it like okay, I'm gonna tell my I'm gonna say the good stuff about American Factory and then I'll say the negative stuff. So American Factory they filmed for I believe three years or since two thousand and eight or something they filmed for a very, very long time. So for that, I give them credit for it. And it was techno technically amazing. And the editing for it was brilliant because, you know, you have to sift through all that, that goddamn footage. Sorry. You have to sift through all that footage. But the story of American Factory was not that hard-hitting or super it didn't have like it wasn't hard-hitting and it didn't tell me much i didn't when i watched american factory i didn't learn much and i didn't feel motivated maybe that's me but that's how it felt like the whole the whole the movie if you haven't seen it it's on netflix give it a watch i didn't see what the whole hype was about it reminded me of the movie roger and me by michael moore and i really like michael moore movies but this one seemed a little different. So American Factory, it takes place in Ohio. And right after the 2008 recession, um, a lot of these, these factories closed. And obviously, um, General Motors closed. There's a lot of big car companies that closed in the States. Um, so when these, these factories closed up, shopped, Chinese companies invested in buying these factories and hiring American workers um, mixed in with Chinese um, workers as well to make their product in America. That's that's how, how it is. It's kind of, um, it's globalization. And I think this whole movie, what it felt to me, it felt like an anti- an anti-globalist standpoint which is totally fair you can have any standpoint you want in a documentary but maybe for me that didn't didn't i don't know i'm i'm more of like free trade globalist kind of sense i don't want to get political right now but it's very anti-globalist and it felt like a very us versus them mentality throughout the entire movie um because you have these american workers and you have these chinese workers and they're having a very hard time understanding each other and they're trying to having a very hard time blending their cultures. Um, and of course, when you have this for an American audience or North American audience, you're going to identify with the American workers more than the, 
the Chinese workers. So there's a very a lot of interviews with the Chinese where it's like, why aren't the Americans working this hard? We come in on Saturdays. We work from like we work twelve hour shifts. I'm away from my family. Well, like like I'm gonna say blah blah. But all of that. I mean, and as a North American, you're like, wow, that's that's terrible that they're working all this time. They can't see their family, and you know, we can't do that. We we have values, blah blah blah. We want, you know, we need to see see everything which is fine you and there's these two cultures and it's about these two cultures blending together but there's scenes where this this guy comes in and he's yelling about um how they're going to turn this entire break room into factory how they're not going to have a break room anymore um and he's getting very mad and he's screaming at one of the foremans and he ends off the note that he wants to turn off the TVs because he's seeing Chinese children dancing around on the TVs and he'd rather see Americans. And at that point in the movie, you're kind of, you're more agreeing with him and his upsetness than you are with a, a, a standpoint of let's understand everybody. And then another later on in the movie, we inter they interview um, one of the old... Um, sort of CEOs of the company so he was running it he was not he wasn't the CEO but he was the um I don't know the head of the the head of the Amer of the American branch or whatever or something um and at the very beginning of the movie he's very anti-union you know pro having the Chinese and having the cultures blend and so whatever and then at the end of the movie he's fired and they interview him and he says this line, um, it's not verbatim, but it's something along the lines of, Yes, I hear now in that factory that that the workers have no American, no American higher up that they can talk to or that they can trust. It is just the Chinese. And to me, I'm like, that still feels very us versus them. I understand the standpoint of, like, you need to have an American there to someone to relate with and work with, but... And, it, and they're talking about how like oh the wages are bad it's 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 minimum wage I'm not getting paid as much as GM I'm not um, there's no unions um, things like that but then a lot of the working con the working conditions are not they're bad I'm not gonna say they're not bad there's a lot of dangerous elements there but you have to remember they filmed for how many years and they go in there and they they, they are gonna cherry pick what the narrative they want to they want to say so you have to take that into consideration too so when you have a montage of glass breaking and you know people maybe cutting themselves or saying that like they're next to a hot heater for too long remember that could be from different months that could be from different years even but they edit it in a way to make it seem like it's the same day. And this is very prevalent in the scene where um, they have the visitation day where people from the car companies come and look at the glass. This company makes glass for cars. So they come in, they're looking around, and then they cut to um, a couple Chinese workers working on some glass, and the glass drops and it breaks. And then cuts back to the Honda people and they look very shocked cuts back to the glass being swept up and everything and then it cuts to an american worker that says today was an absolute shit show those could be completely separate clips from completely separate days you do not see the honda workers and the glass breaking in the same frame i could be wrong i might have watched it wrong but that's what i think i saw so i feel like I don't know what I was trying to say. I don't know if I was I was trying to look at it as a, hey, everyone needs to get along and work together and blend cultures, or I should look at it as an American standpoint or a Chinese standpoint. It felt very like their whole story was just, hey, the Chinese are trying to take over. We're no longer American. Look at, we don't have unions. We don't have money. We're getting paid less. The working conditions suck. But I feel like you could find that in any, even an American-owned factory. I'm sure that there's a, an American-owned factory out there that has some dangerous working conditions that's not paying their workers the best, that might not, you know, support the unions as much as they should. Um, it felt like 
they were copying Michael Moore's formula of the working of just talking about the working class. I didn't feel informed. They had some very good moments. They had a very good storyline between an American worker and a Chinese worker who would become best friends. And I think that was a storyline that they should have pursued more, but they didn't. They left it in just like little nuggets of it. And I think that they should have pursued it more and got the gold mine. And then the second thing was they interviewed the CEO of the whole company, the Chinese CEO. And he said some brilliant line of, I don't know if I'm an innovator or a destroyer or something along the lines. And it was amazing. So that's my rant about how American Factory should have won and Forsama should have won, be, should have won because the whole movie is filmed from her like DSLR and her cameras and her fight in Syria. You're on the ground basically in Syria. It doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel like anything set up. It feels real because it's filmed from her perspective. It's her voiceover. It's her story. And you get to see her story from basically when the revolution started to her leaving Syria. And it's absolutely amazing. You get to see the birth of her two kids, her marriage. You, as she talks about how she's scared about warplanes, Russian warplanes flying over. Um, clips of children who are dead in the streets from the bombing and the killing in Syria. The, and it's just so powerful. I know that Syria is a very talked about subject and, you know, it's not anything new. There's situations been around since, I think, around 2000, no, 2016. But it just was, when I watched it, it was so powerful and it makes it so real. And this perspective of how she's right, she's making this movie for Sama, her firstborn um, daughter, was just like, heart-wrenching and, it, and it's just the whole movie you're like is does she get out safe and you want them to be safe and i think that one would win because when i watched the movie i was powerful i wanted to, to, to like help out in syria i wanted to go to syria and help out after i watched that movie like it moved me edge of democracy was a very typical just documentary about the the about um brazil and and the story of brazil's um basically um political um status right now so i mean i still think that that was better than american factory because i learned a lot it was very informative um but for sama was amazing wow that was long i'm sorry about that i feel like we need to take like a 15 minute break now <laughs> um parasite one best directing I agree. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was in an Irishman were up there too, but and even Joker, Todd Phillips, man, Todd Phillips did Joker, so much critical acclaim. I think it was the most nominations, um, and that movie's fantastic. And Todd Phillips was doing like those those goofy comedy movies, and now he's doing this serious um, Joker. And I think it was perfect. So credits to Todd Phillips, but uh, um, Bong Joon Ho definitely, definitely deserves the win for Parasite. Costume design, Little Women, yeah, Little Women was good for the costume. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. That was good. Costume design was amazing for that. I think the other movies, Irishman, Josh Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, especially. Irishman Jojo and Once Upon a Time, they your costume design. Well, I guess that's the same for Little Women. You know, you just have to look back in period time and see what they were wearing then and put it there. So maybe that would have been a little bit harder, but Little Women was also fantastic. Cinematography, 1917. Agree with it 100%. Absolutely brilliant movie. The cinematography blew me away. Lighthouse, though, close second. Absolutely amazing. Um... Yeah, fantastic. Both of those movies, great. Animated feature, I only watched Toy Story. Actress in a supporting role. Laura Dern won for her amazing performance in Marriage Story, though I think Scarlett Johansson maybe should have won because her performance in Jojo Rabbit was outstanding um, when she did the scene where she put the, the ash on her face and played her dad, played his dad, it was amazing. Actor in a supporting role. There's a lot of uh, 
not controversy, but like people are like, why did Brad Pitt win? You know, Brad Pitt plays Brad Pitt in that movie. I like it. I thought he was amazing in that movie because he was so badass and it felt like that. He was so cool and he played that character so well um, that, no, I totally agree. I think Brad Pitt should have won. Happy for him. Good for him. Um, actress in a leading role. I didn't see Judy, but props to Renee uh, Zellweger. Um, actor in a leading role, Joaquin Phoenix. This one, this one was a tough one, man. These one, they were all great. Um, it was up for me between Joaquin, Leo, and Adam. But I think Joaquin definitely, definitely took it. I think his his Joker was phenomenal. It was amazing. I think Leo was also phenomenal once upon a time in Hollywood, how he did the stutter and everything. And Adam Driver had some brilliant performances, but that whole movie just grasped me in Walking Phoenix. And I think Walking is amazing. Best picture, Parasite. I'm happy for it. I knew all of these movies, I knew the movies that, like, my, the three that were up there that I knew might have win is Irishman, 1917, and Parasite. I knew the rest were not going to win. I'm happy Parasite won, and that's how I'm going to go. Wow. That was a lot. I'm so happy I'm done talking about award shows um, for at least the next little bit because... I'm done. I'm not. I don't want to touch the Oscars anymore. Last week we talked. Last week, last month we talked so much about Golden Globes that this time we're just we're we're done with Oscars. You you heard what I thought when you heard me rant. We're done. We're moving on to more other stuff where we can just talk about movies and cinema. This isn't the award show review. So let's move on. Yeah. So we're even on a wrong time. We've we, you know we're like forty something minutes in, or maybe thirty something minutes in, um, and I haven't even gone through some of the stuff that I want to talk about. So I guess we'll make this semi quick. I that's why I don't like talking about award shows over and over, but whatever. So some um, interesting stuff that happened to me. Um, some fun stuff that happened in in, in February was um, I got to meet. One of my um, my filmmaking icons, uh, I got to meet the filmmaker Kevin Smith. Um, I got to see the Jane Silent Bob Strike Back um, reboot um, in Toronto, um, and I got the meet and greet ticket, and I got I got a signed poster from him. A signed script is coming in too, so that's gonna be amazing. I have a and I um, I got to meet him and have a photo with him, and I got to talk to him for a minute. And oh my God, he's such a nice guy. Kevin Smith is amazing. Um, the movie is great. If you love any Kevin Smith movie in the Askewiverse, please just go and watch it. it um, they're 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 so quirky and funny and just amazing. And they just they give you they give you um, a nice feeling inside after you watch those movies. And he talked a little bit about how his next movie is going to be the new Mallrats movie, which I'm so excited for, Twilight of Mallrats and Clerks 3. So I'm very excited about about those. And the he talked a little bit about um, how what Clerks 3 is going to be like, and it sounds amazing. He said it's going to be... Um, Randall has a heart attack, which Kevin Smith had a heart attack, so obviously that's where he got the inspiration. Randall has a heart attack at the beginning of the movie, and he gets super scared for the first time in his life that he's done nothing in his life. So he decides that he's not going to watch movies anymore, and he's going to make his own movie, and he's going to make a movie about Dante and, and his life, and he's going at the convenience store, and he's going to name it Quirks. So the whole movie is going to be, Quirks 3 is going to be how they're making Quirks 1, basically. And I think that's such a funny and clever way to do it. So yeah, I got to meet him. I got to give him a hug. Um, I got to tell him how much of an inspiration he is and how much his movie spoke to me. And he seemed very taken aback by that and and happy to hear that. I was one of the youngest people um, there because a lot of his movies were released in the 90s. I'm not born in the 90s, so 
it might have been a little shocking that this kind of teen, this 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 young adult, is just hanging around um, this Jane Silent Bob uh, place because you know these are moved. This Quirks came out in the '90s. Jane Silent Bob came in the 2000s, or um. So. Yeah. So it was very cool. I got to meet him, um, give him a hug, tell him everything. I told him to keep it real. He really liked my shirt, too. I was wearing um, a Star Wars Empire Strikes Back shirt. That was really cool. But I'm going to tell real quick, again, another quick rant. I don't know if I want to put the theater on blast. I don't have a big audience. I have 30 people watching, maybe. Um, it's, not a, it's not a job against anyone. I'm just, or I'm just, I know who I am. But um, I know what this is, basically. Um... So the the theater I went to was the Queen Elizabeth Theater in Toronto. I had to travel all the way down there. I took buses and subways. I got there super early. I was the first one there. I got there about like two hours ahead of two and a half hours before. I stood there out in the cold. And I'll put them on blast because it gave me hell. Um, I, all I want to do is meet Kevin Smith and go see this movie. I bought these tickets. They were quite expensive. They were a gift. They were a Christmas gift for me, from my parents. Um, um, I go to the box office because that's where they're giving VIP tickets. They tell me my ticket is not valid. I say, what? Because I got it through Eventbrite, not through Ticketmaster. I had a Ticketmaster ticket for the movie and an Eventbrite ticket for the VIP. They say, this is an only a Ticketmaster thing. Your Ticketmaster thing will get you into the movie, but this meet and greet is not real. I said, wow. I spent so much money on this. I tried to say, they're like, nope, call Eventbrite. And I was like, well, I can't call Eventbrite. It's the weekend. Everything's closed. So they keep telling me it's not real. I go online for the VIP line. I get in. They scan my ticket. It doesn't go through. They keep The guy there says, it's not real. Please leave. I cause a fuss and another lady comes by and she again tells me it's not real. I show her the email from the place I bought it from. The Eventbrite was just the seller, but I gave it to the place that like actually was selling it um, and just using Eventbrite as a way to sell it. They told me that that email was fake and they put me to the side and, and another guy who was actually nice to me who I believe was working for Kevin Smith's staff, told me to look at VIP. Um, so I went to the VIP, and they're like, oh yeah, you're on the list, and they gave me my VIP badge. So I had three people from the theater tell me it wasn't real. It wasn't anyone to do with Kevin Smith's team, I'm gonna say that right now. It no one, nothing to do with Wonderful Union, which is where I bought the, bought the ticket from. All of those were fine. It was a theater that messed up, and the theater that was giving me such a hard time um, they kept telling me it was fake. Security was very rude to me. Um, I was treated basically as if I was a criminal trying to break in. They were like, um, uh, I might be over-exaggerating that, but I was treated as if I was trying to sneak in and meet, this, meet him for free. So yeah, I got the thing, and then then, then I go into the, the, the venue, and I show them my ticket, my Ticketmaster ticket, and my seat basically doesn't exist. It is not there. They, every I have three people looking for it, three ushers looking for it. They have to move my seat. So the getting there was awful. Once I sat down, everything was amazing, and I got to meet him, and it was fantastic. But getting there sucked. Um, so yeah, Queen Elizabeth Theater, probably will never go to the venue there again, but I got to meet Kevin Smith, and that was amazing. I was going to talk about my favorite horror and 80s horror and B-movies, but I'm thinking that we're reaching, we're a little reaching um, the hour point, or close to it, in like 10 or so minutes, and I think that if I talk about horror, that I'm going to be talking for another 30 minutes, and I think that maybe I should save that for the next episode when I have more time because the Oscars took so much time, which sucks because I really want to talk about horror, but I think we'll save that. So next time we're going to talk about horror and 80s horror because I'm really into horror right now. Um, 
horror was something I wasn't too into when I was younger because it, it scared me a lot in high school. But then, in high, but then in high school later on, I started to to watch um, Nightmare on Elm Street and sort of the '80s slashers, and then I fell in love with it. And then the B movies of the '30s and stuff, like oh, I love it. And now I'm just starting to watch a lot of horror. And the thing that's a movie that's actually I'm really excited for is actually The Invisible Man, which is a reboot of The Invisible Man from 1933 with Claude Rains. Um, well, it shares the same name and has the same concept. I don't think it's the same story, but I definitely watched and I want to watch the 1933 one and then the 2020 one because it's such a long time to do a remake, right? But I was like, when I first they announced the Invisible Man, I'm like, oh, that's stupid. They're doing a 1933 reboot. Like, can they not think of anything new? Which I still agree, they can't think of anything new, but. When I watched the trailers with Elizabeth Moss, I'm like, oh my god, this looks haunting. It looks terrifying. Because imagine it's like, there's a man in your house, he's invisible, you know he is there, or you suspect he is there, but everyone else doesn't believe it. And there's that one scene in the trailer where she's sitting and and looking at the chair, and, and she's like, there's somebody in that chair, and there's just sort of the slight imprint, I'm like... Oh, that's so freaky. So, yeah, I think next, maybe maybe I'll watch that, and then next time we'll talk about that, too. Um, and then we'll just move on to some of my other, my other points, which is, um, we'll take less time than horror, which is, I want to talk a little bit about um, international films. I was going to say foreign films, but no, we're going to talk a little bit about some international films. So, because of the Oscars, I watched a lot of... Not a lot, but I started to watch some international films, some films that I wouldn't have watched otherwise. I watched Les Miserables at TIFF. Um, I watched Honeyland, Pain and Glory, um, and Parasite. And I think that I want to get into um, international films more um, because I really love them. I watched um, The Big Boss the other day, a Bruce Lee movie. Um, and it was fantastic. And I think that like, I want to broaden my term, my broaden my term, broaden my horizon and watch more foreign film. I want to watch a lot of French movies. Um, I think French has some great movies. I want to watch a lot of Korean films now. Um, and I think it's amazing. I think I, I'm going to advise everyone to try to get into more international films. Um, and I think Boon Joon-ho at the Golden Globes said it the best was if you can just get over the three centimeters or whatever, the six centimeters of text at the bottom of a screen, your movie horizon will be widened so much. And I think that really spoke to me and I really want, and as someone who just wants to broaden their horizon as much as possible with movies, I think that's fantastic. And I really want to get into international films. Um, I have a Criterion subscription, which obviously gets me a lot of them. So I'm gonna start watching them more. It's just finding the time. So, that's what I want to talk about international films. I want to advise everyone to watch as much as they can. I want to talk a little bit about a little somebody. I want to talk about Timothy Chalet or Chalet or whatever. Swiss Chalet. Mm, just kidding. He's amazing. So last um, last month I talked about Adam Driver and how he had an amazing 2019. And I'm going to predict, I'm making a prediction that Timothy Chal Chalet or Chalet, he's going to have an amazing 2020. I think he's going to be up for an Oscar in 2021. I'm calling it now um, for sure. I think he's an amazing actor and the stuff that he's done prior can show that. He's sort of an up and coming actor, but... The things that he's done is absolutely amazing. Just some of his things that he's he he's he's done. Um, I mean, he was an Interstellar when he played Tom as fifteen. He was in Call Me by Your Name. He's he was in Hot Summer Nights, Lady Bird, Beautiful Boy, The King, and Little Women. So he's only started at his first acting role was two thousand and eight, and he was quite young and he only started getting into 
big stuff around probably Interstellar in 2014. So he's relatively new and young. But I think... Oh, he's also a beautiful boy, obviously. And I think that he is such an amazing actor and that he's going to have an amazing 2020 solely of the fact because the three movies that he's that are slated to come out for 2020 is the french dispatch the new wes anderson film that he stars in dune the new dune movie which is slated to be directed by dennis pavilion or it is directed by him who's a canadian film director <laughs> who's done um some little movies um such as prisoners sicario arrival blade runner um i think he also did enemy yeah so here here's the things that he's directed um prisoners enemy sicario arrival blade runner 20 2049 and now he's doing dune he direct wrote and produced dune phenomenal amazing he's an amazing director he was named by the hollywood um, critics association in, tw in 2019 as the filmmaker of the decade and i could not agree more all of his movies are knockout i want to watch some of his older films i also need to watch enemy it also it kind of prides me that he's canadian because I, I i'm canadian and it's nice to see a canadian um film director have such a big presence on the world and it's also i've been watching a lot about enemy lately and that's why i've been wanting to watch it and enemy takes place in toronto so it's kind of cool to see like there's a lot of movies that film in toronto but they pretend it's like philadelphia or new york but it's, it's cool to see that it's the movie filmed in toronto and it is toronto that's the same with um oh what's the movie hold on i'm videodrome it's interesting to see because Videodrome um, is by Cronenberg, um, and that movie um, is is uh, Canadian and takes place in Toronto, and it's just fun to see these 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 great directors from Canada um, because it's just it's something that's like I guess a pride thing of your country. So that's really cool. So I think Timothy Shalit's gonna have a great twenty twenty, and he's gonna be up for an Oscar for something best actor, best supporting, um, in twenty twenty one. Just from those three from those two movies he slated, and then the third movie is he's gonna be in a Call Me by Your Name sequel, which just got announced. I don't know if that will go through all the way, but got announced that he'll be in a twenty uh, twenty sequel to Call Me by Your Name, which was a. Uh, which was, um, what you would call it, a craze. Everyone loved that movie. I didn't, I didn't love it as much as everyone else, but it was good. So I guess last thing on the docket, while we're like, we're kind of close to the hour mark, I want to keep these around a little hour, a little bit after, a little over an hour. Um, the new Billie Eilish song came out for Bond. It's, um, it's good. I don't think it's a, it don't, I don't think it's no Skyfall. But it is really good. I think it was good that they got Billie Eilish to do the song because they want a young, um, up-and-coming uh, performer, artist to do the song for Bond. Um, it draws people in and makes people more excited for the movie. And I think I think the I think the song is good. I'm not super into it. I don't think it as good as some of her other songs. I need to give it another listen where I'm like very focused on it. Because when I listened to it, I was kind of working. It was on the background, so maybe I just need to focus on it. But I think that it was a good choice to do Billie Eilish. At first, I was kind of, I was kind of upset that she was doing it. I was like, "Why is she doing Billie Eilish? Why can't we have somebody else?" But then I thought about it. I'm like, "Who do we have do it other than Billie Eilish? Because who is such a big artist right now that's having so much recognition and so much." Um, claim other than Billie Eilish right now and I think it's her I think she's becoming an amazing artist and she's being a talked about artist um, she's a name that's like everyone can kind of recognize now and that's really cool um, so yeah I think that's good good for her so yeah we got through it we got through all my talking points except for the horror stuff I talked a little touched on that a little bit 
we'll talk about that next um next month for um for uh what is next month march for march so yeah so in march we'll talk a little bit about we'll talk about horror we won't have to talk about um award shows anymore which is uh, fantastic because the first two episodes are all about awards and then i have to just speed through the rest of it so i'm not like super over time um and also it's tough to to talk after a really long time your voice your voice starts to go lad i don't know why i went irish for that but so yeah that's how it is i hope everyone has a fantastic february we're going to talk a little bit about horror in march when we when we come back hopefully i'll have more time in march to to focus on some other stuff. I thank you for watching and listening. More listening than watching. But I thank you for tuning in um, and listening to me ramble for about an hour about about movies and film. And hopefully you love movies and film. I encourage you to go watch a movie or go watch a foreign film. Ah, watch an international film. And you fix myself. So go and watch a movie. Go and watch uh, international film. Go to a movie with a friend. Ask that person out on a date to a movie. You do you. Um, and and do you know what? You're always growing. Learn um, learn from your mistakes. Keep growing. And uh, that's all you can do. And just try to be a better person every, every day. So you guys are all amazing. Have a great, great, great month.